Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of APM Success. I'm very pleased to be coming to you today. It's a beautiful day here in Philadelphia. It's supposed to hit 70 today, I think. As of the date of this recording, which is Friday, November 6th, that's a pretty good deal. A couple quick announcements. The first is the ASRA pain meeting is coming up in a couple weeks, and I just registered myself the other day. I wanted to point out, I think it's free for residents and fellows and heavily discounted for everybody else, obviously, because it's going to be virtual. Um, A lot of great stuff there, in addition to all the clinical content, which is mostly Greek to me, there's always amazing networking and practice management content, which I think is really awesome and exciting. I think the ASRA organization specifically, I think is leading the charge in a lot of the the thought leadership in this area. And I have benefited immensely from it. Uh, I'm not sure how it's gonna work in the virtual space, but I did register, I'm really excited. And um, maybe I'll see you there in a virtual meeting in a couple weeks. Some of the past guests even of the show that I've met have been incredibly generous with their expertise. Dr. Normal Abraham, Dr. Gary Schwartz, Dr. Jay Ryder, and others uh, I first interacted with at Azra. So highly recommend that you check that out. As far as today's discussion, we're going to be talking about student loans. Uh, I was going to dive into the tax implications of the election, but before I do a deep dive on taxes, I want to make sure we know who the president is going to be. So today we're going to talk about student loans and other sort of financial implications of our new president, if there is a new one, uh, is going to come hopefully in the coming weeks. It's hard to believe that I've gotten 70 plus episodes into this podcast without doing a topic on student loans and (laughs) and talking meaningfully about this. Student loans are a very important topic to me as we're dealing with them in my own family with my wife's med school loans. Uh, In addition, I've talked to two people in the last probably 16 hours whose student loan debt exceeded half a million dollars and for whom it was a just a, a massive mental load that they were having to deal with as they're becoming attendings and transitioning in practice. There's this statistic out there that says the average med school debt is something like $180,000, $190,000. And my experience is has been that it's quite bimodal. Many physicians I talk to well, I should say some physicians don't have any loans. Either they second career as in medicine or they had some, you know, family money or something like that, or they owe three, four hundred thousand or more. <laughs> so for a huge swath, it's a really massive issue. And we're gonna talk about some of the unique strategies and things to be aware of right now. Uh, as we're coming up on year end, coming up on the end of coronavirus forbearance and all that. But before diving into that and into the nitty-gritty there. I wanted to share a podcast I recently listened to. It's an interview that Tim Ferriss did with Seth Godin. I really appreciate Tim Ferriss' long-form interviews, and I like how he draws out the people whom he speaks with, and you really get a flavor for what makes those people tick. And, and I really like it for that reason, but in this interview with Seth Godin, who is uh, entrepreneur, author, has done a lot of very diverse things. He now has um, like a virtual MBA course that's not accredited, but it's for uh, people who, uh, you know, are either creators, business people, others who have, um, you know, artists or who have their own dream that they're trying to express in their life. But Seth has this powerful idea 
Uh, it's in some ways what I would call truth with a capital T. <laughs> We're not merely talking about a fact that he observes, but a principle that is fundamental in different domains of life and can be applied in different places. One of these things that once you learn it, you see it everywhere and you can't unsee it. Uh, and, and this principle that he describes is about working with generosity, doing the work that you do, your vocation, the stuff you do every day to serve humanity, to do it with the spirit of generosity. And this has a, a technical definition for Seth. And he talks about when you work with generosity, it unlocks the joy of work because you're doing it specifically as being emotionally invested in others, caring about the outcome, caring, caring about others' well-being, caring about the specific challenges that they face and wanting to throw your weight behind helping others to address those challenges. Whether you're solving a medical issue, whether you're painting someone's house, whatever it is, you can work with generosity and that has a way of unlocking the joy of your vocation. This is something that really resonated deeply with me and an idea that I really loved and certainly try to cultivate in my own uh, you know, financial planning practice as well as with this podcast. Physicians, obviously, more than many others, Physicians have an opportunity to work with generosity, I would say, to a unique extent. That's why one of the reasons I feel so lucky to work with this group of people is because of the inherent investment in others that physicians so frequently just have as part of their DNA. But the reason I bring up this story about the importance of working with generosity, about really being emotionally invested, about caring about others and letting that bleed into your work brings it all the way back to student loans and someone who has been formative in my understanding of and uh, exposure to student loans, Travis Hornsby. And I want to just talk about Travis for a minute and his expertise in this area. Travis is a friend of mine, formerly uh, from Philadelphia. Well, used to be from Florida, I think. Now he lives in the Midwest. He's also a physician spouse. He's also um, like a mathematical savant, I would say, and fellow money nerd, which is probably why we get along so well. Starting a few years ago, Travis saw that his situation with his wife's student loans from med school, as he was trying to solve this problem, not only was it challenging and there wasn't good information out there, but it was a common problem. And a lot of his friends and his wife's peers had this same issue. It was part of a broader epidemic with many causes, but one of the effects is that we have a massively indebted cohort of professionals with physicians being near the top of that list that starts off hundreds of thousands in the hole in many cases in addition to obviously taking a decade potentially to pursue training and, and advanced skills. Anyway, um, if I was a betting man, I would say that it's possible there's no person in America that has labored with greater perseverance and has developed a preeminent expertise in student loans and who has done such an excellent job of taking that specialized knowledge that, he, that Travis has and creating an invaluable compendium of resources for student loan borrowers than Travis Hornsby. And I consider myself, as a friend of his, as well as a, uh, a little bit of a, a co-worker, uh, super lucky that for the past couple of years, I've been able to do student loan consulting with his company, Student Loan Planner, studentloanplanner.com. Um, and I've had the chance to do, in addition to doing a many hundreds of student loan analyses there, I've gotten to have many conversations with Travis about what he thinks, what he sees, what he uh, expects with regards to how student loan policy is going to develop in the coming days and the impact to student loan borrowers, many of whom are in this audience. So I am very grateful for 
Travis and, and his uh, work of generosity in doing a lot more than trying to build a business around helping people solve student loans, but the way that he works at it is clearly with emotional investment and with an empathy and with a, a drive and a mission that transcends him just running his company which is an excellent company, by the way. But I've been a huge beneficiary, and I know countless others have as well. So shout out to Travis. Travis, if you're listening, you can turn it off now because I'm just going to talk about a bunch of things that you already know. Um, but before I dive into uh, the meat of the student loan conversation, one other tidbit from this podcast I mentioned with Seth Godin, he takes this traditional life question and turns it on its head as it relates to thinking about endeavor and vocation. And I think in so doing, he makes it much more impactful. He takes this question, what would you attempt to do if you knew you wouldn't fail? Which is great, it's aspirational, you've probably heard that before. And he turns it around and he says, what would you attempt to do if you knew that you would fail? And I love this reframing because it takes the meaning and it, it forces you to evaluate the worth of the endeavor. And the worth of the effort and enjoying the journey for the journey itself, rather than a destination that you may or may not get to. And I know Travis well enough to know that this is precisely how he would answer this question is trying to help student loan borrowers is worth it. Even if whatever dream I have about an ideal future doesn't come to fruition, the impact in people's lives is real and actual and meaningful and awesome. And I feel precisely the same way about what I do in equipping and empowering anesthesiologists and pain management physicians in key areas. So something to think about for yourself, you know, what would you attempt to do if in failing to do whatever you're trying to achieve, you could still step back and say, that was worth it. That was worth the sacrifice, the perseverance, the effort, even though my dreams didn't come to fruition in the way that I wanted. So let's talk about student loans quick administrative note before we dive into the technical stuff. Everything that follows is just my opinion. It's based on general principles and knowledge and is not any substitute for tailored, customized financial advice from a qualified financial planner who knows your situation intimately. So please don't take any action alone based on what you hear today. Thanks. With that lengthy aside, what do we know right now, even though the election, as of the date of this recording, is still hanging in the balance Friday, November 6th at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern? Democrats have had very borrower-friendly policy proposals. We can think all the way back to when the presidential race was just ramping up and some of the proposals coming from the then nominee hopefuls were very favorable. Everything from, you know, feeling the burn, carte blanche forgiveness for everyone, to more moderate versions of that with Senator Warren and others, we do know that Democrats have been very interested in trying to help borrowers with their student loan debt and trying to make forgiveness more and more accessible, specifically. Uh, as of the time of this recording, again, Joe Biden is looking like the favorite. Travis did an excellent write-up about Biden's uh, student loan proposal, which we'll link to in the show notes. I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but would en encourage you to check it out if you're curious about some of the things that Joe Biden's been thinking about with regards to student loans specifically. A couple high um, sort of highlights would include expanding PSLF accessibility. So as many of you probably know right now, to get PSLF, you've got to work 10 years in a qualifying institution, be on a qualifying payment plan. You need to certify your employment annually to say, I hereby solemnly swear I am working for the right type of company. And then you got to send that to your servicer and you got to rinse and repeat for, uh, for 10 years. 
120 cumulative payments, at which time you get tax-free forgiveness of whatever balance remains. For physicians, this can be a good deal, especially if you have extended training. Residency plus fellowship plus fellowship. You know, if you're in anesthesia, four-year residency, and if you subspecialize further, you might be five or six years into a payment plan, making smaller payments based on your resident salary before you have to start making those higher payments based on the attending salary. So PSLF in those instances can be immensely valuable. Right now, you've got to be 10 years in in order to get any benefit, any type of forgiveness. One of the things that Joe Biden has proposed is do like a five and five. Do a, you know, you get half forgiven after five years and the other half after 10 years so that it's, you know, you don't have to, <laughs> it's not an all or nothing proposition. You could conceivably do fellowship, uh, after an anesthesia residency and then be at your five years and then get half your loans drop off and then go into private practice and be in a very different situation with a lot more flexibility. So that's one thing that has been bandied about, um, as well as automatic enrollment for qualifying employees. So there's not the, this problem that people have had of, oh, I didn't know how to enroll or that I should have if, I, if my employment qualifies. And, and there's other changes that will be haggled over if Republicans end up controlling the Senate it's going to you know, be a lot of hammering things out and bargaining and all that. Uh, check out Travis's article for full detail there. It, it is an unprecedentedly interesting time in student loans, not only because of the, you know, the changing uh, administration potentially, changing dynamic of our congressional houses potentially, but also because of the uh, you know, coronavirus and a growing, I'll say, a growing congressional awareness of the, the, the epidemic that student loans represents financially for a huge cohort of people in our country. At the current time, with regards to the coronavirus question specifically, at the current time, it looks like interest is going to kick back in in January. Travis thinks this is likely, so I basically just tell Travis to I asked Travis what he thinks, and then that's what I think. That's usually the best approach when it comes to student loans. The CARES Act, which was implemented on March 13th of this year, um, or, or I should say CARES Act is a little bit later. Donald Trump, through executive order on March 13th, suspended all interest on student loans, suspended all required payments through the end of September. Congress then extended that through the end of the year. At the current time, if you have federal direct loans, and some FFEL loans, you have no interest accruing, you have no payments due until December 31st of 2020. Congress has been going around and around on should there be more stimulus, more helicopter money to help Americans, should we do some sort of like another round of paycheck protection plan type of bailout or something to try to keep people economically afloat. It's looking more and more like yeah, that may not happen before year end. Um, student loans could have been, you know, part of that extension, but now that we're post-election, now that nothing has gotten done on that front, it's looking more and more likely that interest may kick back in and payments may resume starting in, in January of 2021. What does this mean for student loan borrowers? What should you be doing and thinking right now? Uh, a couple things to be aware of. First of all, this entire time, from middle of March to the end of December, as part of the CARES Act, this time does count for PSLF. Meaning it doesn't matter, you know, who you work for or whether or not you've certified at this point, this, this time frame, you're going to get nine months of PSLF credit, whether or not you have a job or are experiencing other difficulties. So that's one thing to be aware of. Right now, if you have private loans, private student loans, that means not with the federal government, but rather SoFi, Credible, Earnest, Lendkey, Laurel Road, or one of these other banks, then your situation is different. 
Interest rates right now are at an all-time low. I mean, <laughs> we've been saying this for a while because they've continued to basically bounce along the bottom of the potential interest rate range. But right now, if you have private loans, this is a time to consider refinancing again if, if you haven't done it recently. There's generally no cost to refinance student loans. It's not like a mortgage where you've got to pay a few thousand in closing costs. Uh, with student loans, there's, there's no cost. So if you can improve even you know, a small amount on your interest rate, it's generally worth it. In addition, there's sometimes what I would call reverse closing costs, which is you'll get a cashback bonus in order to refinance your loans, which is almost always worth it as long as you can, again, improve your interest rate. I think there's actually some kind of deal through the ASA with SoFi where you get a 25 basis point uh, reduction. Let's see if we can find that link and drop it in the show notes. There's plenty of other uh, places where you know if you shop around, would encourage you to shop around, see who can get you the best rate, see if some companies are offering cashback refinancing deals. That's definitely worth looking into to see if if you have private student loans to see if you can further reduce the, uh, the interest rate on those loans. If you have federal direct loans, right now, this is, you're sort of in the most interesting position with the most optionality. Uh, right now, if you have federal direct loans, you've got $0 interest or $0 payments and zero interest through the end of the year. That may get extended, it may not. But what that means is there's no sense in refinancing right now. Why would you go from a 0% loan to a 4% loan <laughs> if you can just keep the zero, right? So right now, you know, it's, it's important to realize down the line, it, make, it may make more sense to consider refinancing in the future, especially if you're not interested in PSLF, if you're not interested in forgiveness, you want to just aggressively pay off your loans and you want to lower the interest rate while you're doing it, then definitely refinancing is worth considering. Right now, if you have federal direct loans, ah, there's just so many variables, not only with what Congress might do with coronavirus and CARES Act 2.0, but you know if Joe Biden gets elected or even if he doesn't and Congress has some sort of bipartisan um, you know, bill to address and perhaps simplify the student loan landscape in a borrower-friendly way, then you will be a primary beneficiary of any future loan changes. There's been, I, I don't remember seeing a proposal that got any kind of traction that wasn't better for existing borrowers right now. So if basically if anything changes, if anything happens, you're going to be better off if you have direct loans. If you refinance, even if you do it in, you know, January and February, I could actually make a case that maybe you should wait a little longer, wait till, you know, if there is a switch in administration, wait till Biden builds some momentum and see if there's any student loan legislation action. Because if there is, you're probably going to benefit. If you refinance, then you probably won't benefit because whatever the Department of Ed or uh, the Fed does or, you know, whatever plan they put together, they're not going to be able to you know, touch your loans if they're with SoFi at that point. If you have a mix of direct and FFEL loans, that's federal family education loan. That's like the older version of the direct loan. Somebody who went to med school in 06, 07, 08, maybe has some FFEL loans. It gets more complicated. So I would just encourage you, make sure that you have a plan. Make sure that you're enacting that plan on purpose. If you have any specific questions, I'm glad to be a resource for you. Obviously, Travis's blog, studentloanplanner.com, is amazing. You'll probably get everything you could possibly need there. And then, you know, again, at a high level, you want to make sure that if and when you enter repayment in January with your student loans that you have a plan. Um, in general, it makes sense to do one of two things. If you're going for forgiveness, 
whether it's PSLF or longer term taxable forgiveness, usually taxable forgiveness, I've never seen it make sense for an anesthesia, for an anesthesiologist or pain management physician because they, their earnings is significant when they become attendings. And generally it makes sense to just pay off the debt. But if there is uh, you know, a PSLF opportunity and you say, yes, PSLF is the best thing for me, what you wanna do is make sure you pick the payment plan with the lowest possible payment proactively reduce your AGI by maxing out a 403B or a 457 or HSA or any other types of tax advantaged accounts, and then make the smallest payments you can, pay the least to the government as possible. That's probably no surprise. You want to pay the least possible and get the biggest forgiveness benefit possible. That's how you max the benefit of PSLF. On the other hand, if you're going to go for full repayment, which is basically everyone else, then you want to reduce interest rate probably by refinancing, and just aggressively pay down your debt as, as quickly as possible. Those are essentially the two uh, pure economic paths that you might take. Now, in the real world, sometimes you might jump back and forth between them, depending on how your career unfolds, and that uh, is a more nuanced discussion. But this is a perfect time to say, like, do I know, am I going for PSLF, yes or no? Am I going for full repayment, yes or no? And if so, what is my plan to get there in an optimal fashion? So that's definitely something to keep in mind. I just did a PSLF analysis for a physician literally this morning that resulted in a net savings versus the full repayment option of about $170,000 over five years for someone who just did plan to stay in academics. That means they're going to get, you know, hundreds of thousands of tax-free forgiveness and the savings of that approach above and beyond full repayment was about 170 grand. So the the stakes are pretty high. It's easily a big six-figure number in many cases. So thoughtfully approaching this question is certainly worthwhile. And here's one other final consideration. This is not a time, in my opinion, to close doors or to burn bridges. If there are any changes in the next year, they're likely going to help you. So refinancing federal loans unless you have a really specific reason, is probably a bad idea. Consolidating your loans, if you don't have a specific plan and a specific reason, may be a bad idea, especially if you already have been in practice for a few years. Switching from an uncapped, from a capped plan, like income-based repayment or pay-as-you-earn, to an uncapped plan like repay, if you don't know why, is probably a bad idea. So here's the point. Do what you're doing on purpose. If you're not sure, get some help. Studentloanplanner.com. You can also email me, Justin at Anesthesia Success. I'm, I'd be glad to be a sounding board for any questions that you have. Um, there, there's a few, I'll call them the big rocks of financial um, health with physicians. And generally, it's like the contract you sign slash the practice that, you may, that you're operating in. It's your housing and it's your student loans. Those are the big three. If you knock it out of the park on all three, then you're going to be well on your way to financial independence. If you're a physician and you, you mess up on one of those, or maybe even two of those, usually, as long as you catch it early enough, you can still do very well just because you're going to have a healthy income. But student loans are definitely part of this, uh, sort of the foundation of financial health. So this is a perfect time. Reevaluate. Do I have a plan? Yes or no. Do I know what I'm doing? Do I need more information? And uh, that's all I got for this week. So as always, thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And uh, hope everybody stays safe out there. And maybe by the time you hear my voice, we'll know who the president's going to be. Have a great week. 
If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com, where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.